You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. This is episode 11, and I'm Brandon. And I'm Daniela. What's up, Brandon? Not much, Daniela. Anything new in your fermentation life? Nope. Nothing new since last week. Okay, well then, let's get right into follow-up stuff. And uh, again, another follow-up. We're just continuing this thing every single week. I find a new place that's doing something with fermentation waste. This time, it's whey again. And it's uh, for cheese factories. Uh, you know, it's a place in Wisconsin. Turtle Turtle something Wisconsin. Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. It's a new project. It's like a two point or $28 million food waste facility. And wait, wait, wait. They, they are a $20 million, $28 million project. It's in construction. It's not out yet, but it will soon be anaerobically digesting the whey product and turning it into energy. Similar to the sauerkraut juice. Only this is with whey. Oh, okay. It's just the way you made that sound. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's going to generate 3.2 megawatts of electricity. And, uh, that's about enough to power 3000 homes. That's it. Yeah, it seems less. I mean, wasn't it like, well, okay, no, the French one, that statistic was 15,000 people. This is 3,000 homes. And I and guess Americans like to use their electricity. <laughs> I'm well, joking. No, That's a joke. Well, okay, you could say that. But then also we're talking, there's more than one person in a home. Are you implying? Oh, I guess. Yes, for, exactly. Okay. So they might be re- relatively equal. I don't know. I suppose but, three um, people in a home, 3,000 homes, that's 9,000. Yeah, and... and uh, uh, it's you know it's it's seems like a good project. It's reducing land spread of waste that contributes to phosphorus runoff, and phosphorus runoff is no bueno. So it's good that we're we're taking care of some of that. And here in Wisconsin, I'm sure I'll have that. This is just the continuing story of ways that fermentation waste is being being reused or turned into power. Um, other stuff. If you that I ran into, I was I was on Instructables dot com place where if you're not familiar with it, you can find all kinds of projects on, on, on all kinds of things. I think there's even some fermentation pro, uh, projects on there, like how to do certain things. It's a how-to website tutorial. As in how to ferment? How to ferment sauerkraut or how to do different things. I haven't really looked on there to see about those kind of projects, but it's a tutorial website where you can find all kinds of things. And uh, I found something on powder coating glass, and it just made me think that, hey, I know some people really like to keep their fermented jars outside of direct sunlight. Now, I kind of am not too worried about as long as it's not in direct direct sunlight. I don't mind if it's in light, so I don't wrap mine generally too much. I do sometimes, but um, I haven't really noticed too much difference or whatnot. Maybe I'm losing out on a few nutrients or, from having the the sun kind of hit, hit not hitting exposed. it, but just having like, I'll have it in a corner in a, like a non lit corner, but it's not that it's in complete darkness, but if you wanted to powder coat your glass jars, which I can't decide, I think it looks kind of pretty, kind of nice, but I kind of still like clear glass. It's a little fancier, you a little classy. You gaudy though with all of the colors. Well, that's why you might just choose one color. Choose your favorite color and powder coat it. Although it'd be kind of cool to use different colors to uh, color code your ferments, like this color is kombucha. And yeah, this and you wouldn't even have to look inside pickles. of it. Or you could do like the the day of the week or, or never mind, that wouldn't work. I don't think, but if you're not familiar with powder coating, it's, it's a way to, it's a, it's a very tough coating of paint used in manufacturing of a lot of different products out there that it just creates that, that nice coating. It's the same kind of thing. That's powder. uh, A lot of bikes, truck bikes, other things, they're powder coated. So that like that really strong coating of paint. And so it, it was actually kind of interesting. It was like a, um, a way of, tricking the the coating because it's electromagnetically charged um is how it kind of draws in together uh electrostatically charged um is is you put foil on the inside of the glass to trick it into trying to cling to the foil that electric static that's that's brought on and uh yeah so it seemed like kind of an so inventive way to from the outside though right you coat it from the outside but the foil goes on the inside so then it's like trying to cling to that and instead it clings to the glass and Ta-da. then what do you do once it clings to the glass well, it clings to the glass with, you have to apply it with a, a special powder coat gun and use a powder coat oven that's like 450 
Segrees and keep it at that. This isn't really as much of a home project, but just in case someone has access, I'm sure there's people that are listening to this podcast that have access to powder coating stuff. Maybe you've never thought about connecting it with glass. Hey, this could be a way to try it or find a a shop like a, a craft shop or a DIY shop. And I'm sure some of them have powder coating equipment or make your own power coating gun and I don't know if that's possible. That's, that's beyond the scope of this podcast. This is barely within the scope of this podcast. Okay. But yeah, that's that's just, I saw it. I thought, hey, that'd be a nice way for people to, to coat things if they want to get a little fancy. There's even another instructional project on there where you can actually etch in labels for these things. So you actually could have not only color-coded kombucha jars, you could have them say kombucha on the well, outside. Well, if anything, people at least are aware that it's possible to have color-coded jars and they can purchase some if they don't have all the materials to I don't, make I don't, them. I don't know if there's powder-coated. Really? You really don't think anyone is going to be doing this out of their home and even trying to sell it? I would... Oh, you're saying that maybe someone listening to this podcast is going to come up with an idea for no, a new business no, no, no. and they're going to start selling these to people for products. Yes, that's a good idea. Or I'm, I was saying someone might exist already that is doing that. Yes. If it's possible, why... Why would I have an instructable to make them, but not someone out there selling them? Come on. People always want to find ways to make an income. So if anyone is interested, I would encourage you to look it up. I bet someone is selling it. Well, and then let us know and prove Brandon wrong. Okay. We can do that. Uh, other people that are making stuff and in, in making money, uh, another business, this one's a Canadian business in Ottawa. There is a food entrepreneur named Andrew Craig, and he is focusing on a fancy Black fermented garlic. Now you might have tried fermented lacto fermented garlic in putting in a salt brine or whatnot like that. This is totally different. I'm not actually that familiar with black fermented garlic. It's kind of a Asian tradition, I think, is where it comes from. But looking at that picture, this nice rich black garlic clove. And I saw it right away and I was like, oh, how can I make that myself? I want to do it. But the only thing is, is it's kind of an intense process or extensive process. I could probably figure out a way to do it, but I guess it's kind of smelly too in the process. And uh, it it smells even once it's fermented. What is the the process, Brandon? What is the process? See, it's going to be taking garlic, uh, how they're specifically doing. I'm sure they have some proprietary secret sauce way that they're, they're making it happen. But it's that you take whole garlic cloves, you know, or bulbs, take the whole bulb, Put it in, seal it in a container, and then put it in an oven at one hundred. Seal it in a container. Put it in a in a in a heat um, heat resistant like sealed container. F- oh, I can. Oh, oh. Like in a container, and have it in an oven at one hundred and forty degrees for about thirty days. Only one hundred and forty degrees. Only one hundred and forty degrees for thirty days. <laughs> no, I, I get your. I get what you're saying, but I mean, yogurt's one hundred and ten to one hundred fifteen. I could. I could. I could. So have I an have oven a on incubator for a where I could do straight. that. Wow! Imagine the but the, the electricity bill. Well, and that's why these things are going to be, uh, you know, about forty fifty dollars per tube. Now they're being sold in a tube. Wow, that's you can expensive. Get, you can get them whole. But they're being sold in a tube because this is actually geared towards um, high-end chefs. It's for the food industry, uh, food service industry. That's the main target audience. And that is um, is because, uh, for one, it's an expensive thing to produce. But it's also the delicate flavors are just so amazing. I really want to try it. Um, are you going to even attempt to market it to consumers? You can get some. If you want some, you can go to blackgarlic.ca is uh from this article that i'll in the show notes we'll have both the link to where you can pre-order as well as where um the article that i read this from order you can pre-order they're going to be shipped in july oh so they're not even being shipped yet okay no no this is very very new this guy has been uh doing a chutney business for the last three years a what business chutney you can ferment chutney as well it's kind of like a what is chutney mixed vegetable salsa type of you know salsa-ish type Uh, thing is this something i should know about probably (laughs) but that's okay i'll show you how to ferment it and then then you'll be then you'll be good to go sounds Uh, good but uh yeah it's uh you know oh i guess you can uh wrap them in in you do wrap them in foil and then put them in a sealed container that was one step that i forgot there are plenty of instructions online for how to make 
the scarlet yourself but i just Except that's the one who thing is going I, to that's want where it's to like eat, i think run that's their something... oven on for a month straight i don't think many people are not their oven an incubator i mean i have a yogurt incubator that i could i could repurpose for that process i could get it up to 140 degrees and stay on that long and it's heated by a bulb a light bulb it's just i guess for me i would be concerned anything that has to run for a month straight is will it go out <laughs> will it start a fire it's just a little yeah i mean a, you know, a light bulb's not gonna i mean yes it could start a fire but i mean i don't i don't think it's going to i mean think about um a lot of people in the winter with their heat i mean they're you know they they keep uh, here guess, going all yeah. I, there's a lot of things that or air conditioning i mean it's cool but the thing gets hot i would really like to try it and especially if it's really amazing i wonder if there's a list of uh they're gonna have a list of chefs that are using it so you could look it up and go to that restaurant well yes i'm sure and you I'm could i'm sure that meal is gonna would be very expensive but it sounds like it'd be worth it i mean well so yeah where I mean, I don't is think... this so that you said this traditionally comes from china i said somewhere in asia oh asia okay i don't know so it is so this is not something that was just invented no it's not and it's something that... of, okay so it is an old tradition from a different culture and we're just now starting to. No, you can you can purchase it in the United States. This is just a high quality version of something that I okay. think you can get in Asian stores, like okay. Asian grocery stores. Okay. That's that's kind of the thing. And if you pre-order, though, um, according to the article, it's um, it's fifty dollars for two tubes, uh, according to the the blackgarlic.ca website as well. I wonder how much food, or I guess how. Is it used as a like a seasoning or as a? I mean, how would you use it in a meal? Because how much are those tubes really worth it? If it's something you use just a little bit of, then that's not that expensive. No, it's but, really not per time of use, and it can go into marinades and sauces. That's one of the so it ways just that adds. You can, so it's it's kind of like a seasoning, right? It can be used as a seasoning, or you can um, uh, the the person that the author of the article talked about having a taste test of it and uh, in a few different ways, putting it into cream cheese and um, having it on a bagel. Also, if I remember correctly, it was put onto a um, little, little bit of Parmesan cheese and then it was drizzled with just a little bit of balsamic vinegar. So you get that, that earthiness from the garlic, the fermented garlic, and that little bit of tang from the balsamic vinegar. I would love to do more research on this and just find out how was this ever, I guess not invented, but how did it come about? Is it that it was just sitting, that the garlic was sitting out in the, in the hot heat sun, you know, and eventually fermented or because this seems like a very specific process, but it must've, I would assume come about accidentally yeah, and, but- and how would that have you know, there are places that are, you know, warm, relatively hot in the summer, especially. And so I'd just be curious. It's like, can I leave it out wrapped up in aluminum foil and a tight container and just let it sit out all summer long? You know what? I think you just solved the answer to the cost equation. Put it in a solar oven in a person's backyard. I'm building a solar oven this summer so that I can ferment some garlic. Hey. 30 days. That's not long in a solar oven. I mean, I... And it's it would outside. just depend on if it can maintain that temperature throughout the day and if you can control it well enough. I would say but that's where I think even if it's not, if the temperature isn't, you know, always going to be consistent. That's but it I is think, fermented. I think the bacteria are. But it's not, I feel like ferment, fermentation process just in general is forgiving. So I think dipping in temperature at, at days, night. You start to become a little less forgiving, kind of like cheese making. Yes, it's easy enough to make some cheeses, but... Well, I've had bad experience so far with my first attempt at longer cheeses than feta or mozzarella, but, you know, more can go wrong the longer it is. Yes, sauerkraut, even if you're fermenting that for months, it's going to have, you know, potentially more of a chance of something having gone wrong somewhere along the line than something that's fermented for a week. Like, you know, if you ferment your kimchi for a week or so. Well, that'd be a good experiment. Try and making it in the summer outside see if it how it works and then hey for people that want to try it but don't really want to spend the money just wait till summer and make yes, a but lot of, of course if a person garlic if a person's building a the building their own solar oven and everything i don't know what the cost benefits are but again if you're well, going to use that solar run. oven 
Yes, because then you can make your own sourdough breads in that solar oven and make all kinds of amazing things. I think I just need to build a firm up solar oven so that I can try all this. But again, I'm t- I'm a little tempted to taste test this stuff too. It'd be nice to get it. I suppose t- taste test prior to in- investing into a solar oven and the time to ferment it, and then you find out, oh, I really yeah. don't like well, this. Well, I'm just I'm 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 tempted to want to get those two tubes. I, I I prefer it in the whole clove just because I don't really necessarily need the tubes because you know I I'd, I'd use it all relatively quickly if it tasted really good. I just like go through like a month's worth of black garlic, fermented garlic, and just. Try it on all kinds of things. Kind of like what we'll get to in a future episode is is regarding, um, I've been looking into a lot more different kinds of salts and I want to do some different um, taste tests of different kinds of salt and I want to try fermenting with different kinds of salts because... Apparently there are different types of salts besides what we are used to. <laughs> well, definitely different than the white table salt, but also different... There's different kinds, you know, kosher salts and, and sea salts, but there's all kinds of sea salts. I generally, I use real salt a lot, but it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, there's just, I mean, entire book and, and websites devoted to, to different, different kinds of, um, salts that are, that are out there and, and traditionally have been made in different areas like black salts, pink salts, all kinds of salts. And, uh, they've got different mineral contents, different things. I wonder how they ferment things differently. And, uh, so I'd really like to try that. Well, keep us updated. So this is something else that I saw a recent article about. What do you think? Greek yogurt? Is it a term for the process of straining yogurt and making it thicker, straining the way out? Or is it the place of origin, like where it's made? Well, in this country, it's definitely the process. It's not where it's made because a lot of Greek yogurt in the United States is not made in Greece. Well, so then what are you saying? Like, what do you think? When you think Greek yogurt, do you think anything about Greece? Um, no, I mean, I, I don't, but sometimes I wonder if that's where it originated from. No, I mean, there's a lot of areas that it is from there. Strained yogurt is from a lot of different places. Why it's called Greek yogurt. I don't really know, but it's the common term at least here in the United States. Also, I think it's a common term in the UK. And this is where this story comes from is that Danon, or I don't know how it's pronounced over there. I mean, it's all the same conglomerate company, but it's Danone. Dan, Danone. Yeah, it's, it's spelled differently, but yeah, I don't it's, know it's, how it's, it's pronounced. It's still all the same connected company, but they had a new brand of Danio, uh, which was a, a Greek yogurt. The uh, UK high court has said that they cannot label it Greek yogurt. I don't know if it's permanent or if it's just an injunction right now that's that's stating this because there's an ongoing legal battle between Faye and um, and Chobani because Faye is saying, no, you cannot call it Greek yogurt because it's not from Greece. And Chobani, made in the United States, obviously not from Greece, not made or produced in Greece. But, oh, and, and Faye is how to pronounce phage or Faje or whatever I was trying to pronounce last time or a few times ago. It's Faye. <laughs> nice follow-up. Yeah. Um, and, and that was from their website that I saw that. See, this is, though, that's just something that, uh, it's just another. So what's going on is Danon had to remove the, the, the word Greek on their packaging while these two other companies are having a battle or a lawsuit as to what is right. Is it? Yes. That's the, I mean, just more lawsuits. It's kind of like all to me. I mean, it it just seems like a positioning scheme, nothing else. I mean, it's like, just like all the, the patent wars between technology companies. This just seems like Greek yogurt is the big thing nowadays. And um, it's just another way to try and make sure that the competition doesn't take over. Well, is, is Faye um, from, is that a Greek company? Yes, they're a so Greek company. That's why. I, I think that's a little ridiculous, honestly, but. Well, the reason, okay, this is why I think it's ridiculous. Yes, technically, Faye USA is a separate company, a, a, like a, like a, I don't know how the monopoly or umbrella of companies all fits together, but they're still, they're all connected. But there's a Faye USA plant. They make yogurt since 2005. I mean, this is, this is from Faye's website. Phage's website. I, I just 
Faye, I guess, but I still see this phage. <laughs> so in February 2005, the decision was made to build a state-of-the-art production facility for Faye Total in Johnson, New York, and to manufacture our products in the United States. So according to their lawsuit that they're doing in the UK, which I know is a separate legislation and everything like that, they're they're saying that their US one is not Greek yogurt either, but they go by Greek yogurt in the United States. So that's just where so I there, think it's just a little cheap. It's but, like, really? But, it's like Chobani is huge competition. They've done better than Faye in the United States. Um, they've... I don't know. I, I, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily like defend Chobani any more than anything else, but still it's like, Hey, I mean, come on. It's Greek yogurt. We all know it is Greek yogurt. You can't defend that. Maybe it's different in the UK. Is it different? <laughs> are you, are you done? Yes. Wow. That was a rant. No. Okay. So, but is Fias selling the Greek yogurt that's made in the U S in the U S as Greek yogurt, or is there Greek yogurt that's sold in the U.S. made in Greece? They that's used awful. to sell before 2005. Faye sold; they imported their their Greek yogurt. So now their Greek yogurt is is made in the U.S. And yes, they okay. started making it in the U.S. after, as far as I understand, after Chobani started making it in the U.S. Well, obviously, the the lawsuit is not really about labeling; it's about how they can know, bring down another where, company. This yes. is where it just all gets. But it's all business; it's all corporate. Um, I would assume a lot of other people probably are going to be on Giovanni's side and it's not a Greek yogurt. It's never been about that. It's about a process. So I am actually very curious to see what will happen as the, in the outcome, uh, what, you know, well, yeah, it seems like Giovanni's getting, um, in their, their attempt to expand. I mean, they're like a large portion of the, the Greek yogurt in the United States, but they expanded into Canada, and then for some reason they just mysteriously pulled out of Canada for different regulation reasons or something or other that's not really known yet. At oh, least really? I haven't found anything. I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and, and they're having troubles in the UK. I mean, I don't know. People got it out for for for, for Chobani. Well, honestly, though, they do make good yogurt. Of, I mean, it's... Well, I decided to try it for the first time. I've, I've never actually tried... Um, Greek yogurt, commercially made Greek yogurt. I've just made it myself because it seems a little overpriced and it's something that's super simple to make. Which and, is true, but that's... But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. I, I mean, could... it's different than just plain Greek yogurt. It's a... Uh, I mean, okay, I've had their, like, fruit-flavored... Um... Fruit in the bottom? Yeah, and um, I mean it's it's definitely a dessert, and um, it's different, but I, it's good. Yeah, it's I mean sure it's 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 good. Uh, there's just such a craze for for Greek yogurt lately. I mean it it's it's something that's definitely changing. Uh, I mean Greek yogurt has expanded a whole lot, and um, and the other place it's expanding into is frozen Greek yogurt. Because, of course, if people are really enjoying their Greek yogurt, they're going to love their frozen Greek yogurt as well, I guess. But honestly, though, I don't I this is where I'm so I question things because it's like I don't think people are honestly enjoying Greek yogurt more. It's really the marketing that they're doing right now with Greek yogurt. It's healthy. You're going to lose weight. It has pro high protein. It's all of that. So, of course, people that are especially in this country, because that's such a big like issue um is there you know losing weight or um and so I, in my opinion i think it's just people really consuming more greek yogurt for losing weight in the way it's marketed i don't think it's all of a sudden people are just liking greek yogurt more and so well yeah anyway. and that actually goes on to a, another topic another article that was out recently regarding greek yogurt and um kids that Chobani and um What's the other General Mills? They're trying to target youngsters now with their Greek yogurt. But then the question is, well, kids don't generally care too much about health, something about being high in protein and being more tart. True. Generally sweeter sells better for packaged goods um, to kids. Which then it's like, what, are they going to make sweeter Greek yogurt? I already think even Chobani. Chobani, I mean, I, I read an article about like the starting it out and, and the CEO came to the United States and was like, oh, the yogurt here is too 
too thin, too, um, too uh, and too sweet. But I was like, I, I think their yogurt's actually pretty sweet. Like, I don't really like my yogurts that sweet, even even Chobani. Well, that's true. But you have to realize that so many people in this country, that's how they're used to their yogurt. And so... Is it less sweet than than flavored yogurts generally or... I think I don't think it necessarily I, is. I think it's a it is a little. I mean, it's not as sweet. Um, I mean, I guess I haven't tried all you know all the different brands, but a few that I have, it is less. It's not as sweet, but but you have to realize they're a big company. They still have to make a profit, and so they're going to try to be as authentic as as much as that will allow them. Before you know, there's that fine line of well, we want people to consume the yogurt still, um, and we want to make a better you know, quality product. But yeah, I mean, they're not that much drastically different than a lot of Greek yogurts besides if I think that... No, I wasn't even saying Greek yogurts. I'm saying just regular yogurts in general. Are they really that much less sweet than regular yogurt? Oh, I, yeah. Okay. I, yes. Well, I mean, I guess I it mean, probably regular depends. yogurt is... It's somewhat just too sweet almost. But that's also speaking of kids' yogurt, though. Um, kid... kid I, I just... Like I'm Go-Gurt, so skeptical. That- yeah. That stuff... Mm, Even know. like Lifeway Kiefer's uh, Pro Bugs stuff that they market to kids that's been super popular. I mean, you put things in cute packages and then um, it sells well. Sure, I understand it's business. Got to got to keep opening up into new markets, especially yogurt's a competitive market. And 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 I don't mind the cute package. I just mind what's in the package. Well, yeah, and that was something um, you know that I was noticing uh, back to the 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 Greek frozen yogurt stuff. It's that I I was like okay well I guess I didn't I it makes sense that there's frozen Greek yogurts I didn't realize it was a thing in the supermarkets but um, I went to go look at the grocery store to be like hey what kind of things are out there for Greek yogurts and the ingredients in like uh, YoPlay had a Greek yogurt and Ben and Jerry's Ben and Jerry's one. had one as well well the Ben and Jerry's one I'm lactose intolerant so when the first ingredient is skim milk and then the second ingredient is Greek yogurt. It's not really, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really seem to me like Greek yogurt. That's ice cream with some Greek yogurt in there. So for that one, didn't work. The YoPlay one had a bunch of ingredients that, I don't know, it would just seem kind of questionable. I found an organic Stonyfield Greek yogurt. And I tried that one. It was vanilla. You know, it, it tasted okay. It had like carob in it for a thickener. I mean, so it has all these like thickening agents in it. Um, you know, sure, it was choosing natural carob as and it had guar gum and I think it too and different things. I didn't really like the carob taste that was underlying the vanilla, but you know, it was it was okay. It wasn't amazing by any means. I, um, you know, even something like if when I used to sometimes have a craving for ice cream, I mean, the Briar's lactose free vanilla, like I think is better than the Greek yogurt one. Really? And yeah, I'd say so. And it's just. It also has fewer ingredients in it, from what I remember. I mean, there's just a lot to well, get Greek yogurt to thicken. Can't you just, I guess, can't a person just make their own Greek frozen yogurt? I mean, is it re- there really isn't that much to it, is it? Well, um, it's funny that you ask. F- yeah, I looked that up too. And uh, yeah, it's really easy. I, I found, uh, a, there was a lot of recipes. I found a, de- a one that looked decent on uh, com, And it was uh, a strawberry Greek frozen yogurt. Super simple to make, obviously about the same amount of process as making an ice cream, but you just take some, a pound of strawberries, two third cup granulated sugar, one cup plain yogurt, and a teaspoon of fresh lemon juice. And then, you know, mix all that process, all that stuff, get it all together and then put it in an ice cream maker. Oh, you put it in the ice cream maker? You still have to use an ice cream maker because that's the only way to like change the solids and... Oh, I said I didn't know that. I was just imagining mixing it together and then putting it in the freezer. You could, but it wouldn't be the same consistency. I I guess. Consistency, that's, that's what it's that's all about. That's what I was going to try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yes, you can make your own. But even really, honestly, or just mix some fruit and sugar and lemon into regular Greek yogurt and then eat it. Really? Does it, I mean, and chill it? I mean, In the summer, slightly. it can be nice. Sure, in the winter, I'm not that interested but in But even like a cold mixture of Greek yogurt with all of that in it would it's good enough for me. But it's a different consistency. It's I mean, it is. I love, I love ice cream. I'm definitely, I love ice cream, especially in the summer. So I understand that. But I mean, just for simplicity reasons. 
Yeah, this the, the I mean, this was like a supermarket report that I was reading about this frozen yogurt stuff or the frozen Greek yogurt stuff in. And it, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, one thing they were saying was last year, Greek yogurt was the golden child of the dairy case. And now frozen Greek yogurt is becoming the golden child of the frozen case. So, I mean, again, it's just all about what's popular. Greek yogurt is popular. Okay. So how, if, um, if someone just really quickly wanted to make their own Greek yogurt, what's the best way to make Greek yogurt versus the other yogurts that you've talked about? Well, you could make a strained yogurt from any kind of yogurt. It's generally made from a, well, the commercial variety is the, you know, just using a regular traditional commercial yogurt. Yes. And then you can, okay. If you don't even want to make yogurt, but you want to make Greek yogurt at home, go buy any kind of commercial yogurt, plain yogurt, and then put it in a cheesecloth, put it into, uh, wrap it up in muslin or put it in a pillowcase, dump that yogurt into a pillowcase, even, um, kind of in the corner of that pillowcase and hang it up and let it drip. A lot of people say, put it in the refrigerator. I don't really... Oh, let it drip any... in the refrigerator? Yeah, let it drip in the refrigerator. I haven't had any issue letting it drip just straight out. Because it really doesn't take that long to make a Greek yogurt. It's a, a few hours, six hours Oh, really? Is good. So you can just strain a regular... Okay. Just um, to clarify. For, for... for uh, bacteriophobic people, I think it feels safer to put it in the refrigerator. I've also seen these little canisters. And uh, for simplicity's sake, I can understand it. But a little like mesh screen and then a little canister that all has a lid and you can just put it right in the refrigerator so it's real simple to make greek yogurt now if you take greek yogurt and strain it even longer so 12 to 24 to 48 hours however long it's going to become yogurt cheese so it's like a cream cheese the consistency yeah it's, a, it's, it's like a cream cheese it's a great thing to use for like dips and um spreads spreads of, of sorts it's like like uh, especially savory spreads, adding some like herbs and garlic and different things to it, great on crackers or any other substance that a person wants to spread something onto. So is Greek yogurt really just a strained regular yogurt? There isn't like a um, specific strains yeah, for Greek yogurt. Yeah, the different brands have different different strain blends that they're using. Okay, but it's not. But like the, there's they're a using Greek the isolated yogurt. cultures. They're they're not they're not using a traditional Greek style yogurt i have seen on cultures for health a traditional greek style yogurt an heirloom yogurt that's i think the only heirloom yogurt from cultures for health that i don't have just because it has pretty much the same bacteria as bulgarian yogurt from what i remember correctly so you could just strain it and then make well no it's not that it's that it's supposedly it's a different heirloom variety i just don't know what's different about it and so i just haven't been uh had the motivation to, to really differentiate it, but I'll use for strange yogurt. I'll use Bulgarian, uh, an heirloom Bulgarian yogurt and strain that. And the issue with some of the other heirloom yogurts, uh, like Vili could be made into a strained yogurt and, um, Vili being another heirloom variety of yogurt that you can get from different places. Um, but it, 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 it gets a little thicker, but like something like Pima, which is another heirloom, like, fermented dairy beverage almost but it does get kind of thick with the whole milk and um fermenting that and turning that into yogurt straining that becomes a little bit more of a challenge because it's not as thick to begin with so the thinner the yogurt or like for myself i generally don't heat my milk before i make bulgarian yogurt because i like a drinking yogurt and i don't need it super thick like the commercial varieties out there like i'm not i don't need a pudding for my kind of like the pudding (laughs) consistency of yogurt just not really my thing and I haven't eat, really eaten too much commercial yogurt for years. So like I'm not even used to the thickness anymore, but the thicker, the better if you're going to strain it. Do and you think if it's thinner, you just let us strain it. Can you just let it strain longer? And would that have the similar outcome or is it just not the same? Well, you'd have to have thick enough weave in the fabric that's being used. Like don't use a cheesecloth so that, with okay. a thin yogurt. I guess so that it doesn't just all go through. The- and yeah, but if it's not, if the milk isn't coagulated to the same extent as a Bulgarian yogurt that has had the milk heated up, it's not going to have the same thing. Now, one way to solve that issue, I don't know how much whey is in cream. I've never tried straining, be- straining a heavy whipping cream, but I'm like Pima, like it's P I I M. A with the two little dots above it. I don't know what that thing's called, but that's how how you spell Pima. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. 
And it's, uh, I, I like to put that into, into heavy whipping cream. You can do it like Mazzoni or, or film yolk. Those are both heirloom yogurt varieties that I have as well. And, and I can put those into heavy whipping cream and it makes a nice thick consistency to start with. It's thicker and creamier than uh, Greek yogurt. And how do you eat that then? I'll just eat it spoonful after spoonful or put in a smoothie or but it's like a dessert. No, it's not sweet. So it could be used in those same kind of ideas as a Greek yogurt, make them into spreads or different things like that, that it's a little different consistency. It's not quite as cream cheese. Like it's, well, actually it is, it's like a homemade cream cheese is more similar to a, what I would say as a yogurt cheese, like straining it beyond the Greek. It's kind of like a yogurt cheese, like homemade cream cheeses, like store-bought, like Philadelphia store-bought cream cheese is really creamy. That's kind of a little bit more like fermenting heavy whipping cream, turning it into thickening. I don't know how much whey is in that though. It'd be a good experiment. I'll have to try that now. I'll write it down and try straining heavy whipping cream. I don't know how much would really drip out of that at all, if anything, but that would be one where I'd use a thin weave cheesecloth because it, it, I mean, I don't need something super thick, but a pillowcase would probably work even with a thinner yogurt, I would assume. But it's just back to the to the to the Greek yogurt stuff. Yeah, that whole the reason why it's popular is for the health reasons, and that's where it's like yes, I I find it important to eat so called healthy, and what I eat, I generally think makes me feel better. Like if I eat. But you're not actively going out there and be like, I'm going to eat this because it's healthy. You. No, I've never been one to look at labels. I don't. Well, not not even that, though. But I, I mean, uh, ingredients. Oh, yes. For but... me, especially looking at, at labels at the grocery store, I'm purposely not going to get that stuff. I'm like, I'm just very like marketing on food. I'm so. I just I, you know, they'll say healthy or has this and that. And you look at the ingredients and it's just it's just junk so for me well, i feel like though, I'm, I'm i've heard you talk about ingredients that are in things that you think are junk it's it seems that even if there's a long list of ingredients you well, yes junk. because honestly i i like to follow that rule of um it, no nothing should have really more than unless it's like a a sauce or something like four or five ingredients oh michael pollan's thing yeah, well, yeah, well i yeah he has a more I think his is like three or something like, but I mean like, yeah, like that rule of, I just don't like to buy stuff that has to have so much preservatives or, um, you know, unless it's, uh, unless it's like bread or something that has a lot of like wheat and, um, flaxseed and just different types of seeds. But yeah, I, I don't. And sure. I'll say, no, I, this looks bad because it just has so much junk in it. And you can argue that, well, it's just, it's not really junk. It's just a lot of ingredients that aren't that bad for you. But even that I'm, I just, I don't like it. Um, so what do you think with this whole thing with the, the Greek yogurt being aimed towards kids, General Mills and Chobani trying to really target children now that, I mean, they're probably going to make it sweeter. They're probably going to make it uh, prettier I, packaging. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, I think it's great that they are trying to target yogurt towards kids because I mean, I, I don't know. It, I, I guess I'm guessing kids aren't. I mean, I always liked yogurt, but I, I guess I'm questioning, well, how much are kids really wanting? Like, hey, mom, can I have some yogurt kind of thing? I mean, they are I probably think a lot kids. Of kids eat yogurt. Really? Well, see, I don't know, though. And so I think it's great for those kids that just don't think about it or don't really, or even parents that don't think it's important to have um, such a diverse uh, bacteria in, in one's gut and or different things because yogurt is really healthy. So I think it's great for that reason, but there's always a downside and that's that they add so much stuff to it that kind of defeats the purpose of eating yogurt in the first place. Um, Maybe. Because, yeah. you know, especially for kids. I mean, I don't mind pretty packaging. Sure, it's not... I mean, if that's going to... Because kids like pretty colors and... Um, you know, bright cartoons and stuff. And that's fine. As long as the actual product inside that pretty package is a real food and not just something that sort of resembles yogurt. And so, I mean, it's, it's like that go yogurt or I, 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 I mean, I, I remember, 
I think well, Chobani is even. I was saying something I like they do something like I mean, that too. I remember being in eighth grade, and I love that stuff. But that's really you ate uh, yogurt out of a tube. Oh, I did. Yeah, when I was like in eighth grade or something, my mom would get it. <laughs> um, but even that stuff that came like in a juice uh, container, that's yogurt, like drinkable yogurt. It's like pink. It's strawberry. Um, have you? You've never seen it? No. They still said it. That's it, it's was supposed to be yogurt, but it's really not yogurt. So that kind of stuff. You know, so it's like, I, I think it's all great to market it. Just try to actually put real food in those packages. And that's where I question things like that. It's just like, well, sure. And then, and then, and you have those parents that trust marketing and trust labels or things that are set on the package. And so they're going to think their kid is eating good food. And in reality, they're really not. And, and so it's just. Well, and it may not even have to be something that's on the packaging. To a certain extent, there's this big craze towards Greek yogurt for its health benefits. And I mean, getting into New York schools, like I'd mentioned before, uh, as, as a food option for Which a meat substitute, great. those things are kind of great, but there's this like this push for Greek yogurt. And I'm sure a lot of it's coming from marketing from, from Greek yogurt companies, but it's, there's this push for this, but then that means that there's the residual like understanding of like, people are just going to assume that Greek yogurt equals healthy and then not even really need to look at the labels anymore. As long as it says Greek yogurt on it, then it's okay. It doesn't matter what the ingredients are. And I would be so happy if people just really paid more attention and trusted. And I have friends. I'm, I have, I know people that are like, well, it says this on the package. And I'm just like, yes, that come on. You should know better. Of course, it's going to say it's natural in a package, but what does that mean? Um, so I just, I'd be so happy if people just question more, question this more. And I know we've had this discussion before. It's not important to some people. I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, my brother's the first one who doesn't care at all what something's, what he's consuming. As long as he likes the flavor of it, he'll eat it, which just imagine how I can react, how I react to that being complete opposite. But Well, and that goes back to like our discussion before on cultural habits of, of like learned habits of taste. And, you know, it's like, I haven't had something like McDonald's in a long, long time. I mean, it's been like 10 plus years since I've, since I've eaten McDonald's and I think it would taste really not very good anymore. Although at one point, you know, it tastes very good and it's like so many different things are kind of learned tastes and it's also unlearning them. Like when I've gone through phases where I've gone like six months to a year without sugar or very little sugar. Pretty much any baked good tastes way too sweet. Can't imagine that. In in times like that. And then I can gradually relearn or get used to um, a, build up a tolerance for sugar and then it tastes good. Same with salt or different things for people that don't eat much salt. But that's kind of like people that do fastings and um, and then I've heard people say, you know, everything tasted disgusting once they started eating actual food because their body just was like, you know, especially things like coffee or or, or, you know, maybe meats, they had to reintroduce their body to food by starting out pretty bland, you know. I, I mean, yeah, I can imagine that. Um, but I, it's kind of like for me, though, it's not even really the taste, but I have this thing where I really don't eat that much fried food. Just, um, and I, I mean, and not even at home. It's not that I'm against eating fried food, but making it at home takes a lot of time and it's just messy. And so I don't, but then eating it out, I just always don't, a lot of times don't want to because eating out fried food i question what's really you know in that food but once in a while just if i go out i'll get fries i'm at a restaurant or if i if you know you get a burger i'll eat fries and i know that it's it's it happens every time but i'll i'll eat the fries because they're so good and i do like the flavor even even if they're bad and i get like a stomach ache not even an hour later um just because my body is not used to i think digesting such oily foods and um so it's it's just kind of funny. And every time, though, I still go for it. I'll eat that. I'll eat the fries. Well, yeah. I mean, the yeah, I guess so it goes farther than just taste. I mean, it's it's how it feels in the, in the belly. And, um, the- but sorry, sorry to cut you off. But I, I am curious, since you haven't had McDonald's in so long, and I actually probably haven't had McDonald's in a while, too. Um, it would be interesting, not that I know you probably, you would never do this, but like to actually try eating a mcdonald's sandwich or like one of their burgers um and really think about is this really a bad taste or am i just going to think this because i know mcdonald's food is not good um 
it would just be interesting to have that so much of it is perception too i mean and that's where i think i think we should um go out and buy like a big mac and split it and i've never eaten a big mac anyway i've only had like regular little hamburgers or whatnot i've never eaten a big Mac. we should whatever you had because i've pretty much had everything on our menu back in the day um i think we should go and and purchase one burger split it in half and just have a one bite and really just see what is it really i'm just curious if it would taste bad because i honestly it's been so long for me too i'm sure it tastes fine i'm sure i probably be fine but well, of course you'd be fine. I'm just curious as to if the flavor would actually be disgusting. Well, I mean, it's just depends. We might follow on... up on this. We'll keep you posted. Yes, maybe we'll look into how to ferment something <laughs> from McDonald's and 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 make it more. Sadly, I bet their pickles are just not fermented either. Yes, I'm. I'm sure it's much cheaper to make vinegar pickles. But this whole stuff with the gut and everything kind of brings up you know, a lot of stuff that's that's in the news lately, uh, um, and just science in general is is probiotics, yes, but more importantly, the gut microbiota. Like, what is in the gut, and how does that affect our our immune system or our brain health? happiness, other things. And so there's all these connections. And there was a recent article on, um, what was it? Bangladeshi children comparing them to United States children. Yeah. That was really, it's really interesting. Essentially the article said Americans are too clean and it's not for their own good. Um, which I, I I think this country is too clean. There's so, yeah, there's the whole Sanders cats thing about, War on bacteria. Oh yeah, Sandra Katz I, he, being the... he he does a good job of explaining it. You know, um, we always look for things that say ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent of the bacteria, uh, you know, being killed from yeah. antibacterial Which soap. Whereas ninety nine point nine percent of the bacteria in the world are the things that are keeping us healthy and safe, and it's only that one point zero one percent that is actually dangerous. Yeah, which um, yeah, so. The article, um, I really found it interesting because they did a test, yeah, I think on four U- U.S. kids, ages 8 to 13, healthy kids, and six Bangladeshi kids um, around the same age range. So a very and, small study. So this yeah, is I mean, just this a preliminary is, this is study. A very it's tiny, not, nothing, not like... Yeah. Um, and they're also very healthy kids. And they found that, and they also talked about a different study in this as well, but that both... Um, the two groups of kids had, for one, different bacteria in their gut, which makes sense. I mean, it's it, I I kind of, that didn't surprise me too much. Just I feel like I bet every culture would probably have a slightly different bacteria just because of how we consume food. But they also found that um, Bangladeshi kids had much a higher variety of the bacteria um, in their gut, um, and just a higher number of them all together and they also mentioned how the kids that were being tested don't necessarily have um a a, a very um like the food that they eat is not um it's pretty much the same food all the time um lentils not definitely not nearly as much meat um a lot of grains and such but um and they don't have a, a lot of variety in their uh, diet yet their bacteria is still much so much more diverse um and there's more of it no some wasn't some of that because of the surroundings and whatnot just well it's exactly just so it's, that's what i was going to get at next it's um so they're stating you know they're not their their hygiene is nothing nowhere close to how we live in you know, here, um, in the United States. Um, but they're talking about it's, it's, it's not just the food. It's, it's their surrounding, um, like they're not as clean, that they're not as freaky or, you know, that's, that's not what they said in the article, but they just don't stress the the cleanliness as much as we do. And it seems to be as as much as it's popular in the United States. I'm sure there's plenty of subsets and areas where people in the United States aren't nearly as well. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but it seems that, you know, you know, any office or any surrounding, you know, there's a hand sanitizer that it's not just to sanitize hands. It is the one that says, you know, um, 99% kill, kills bacteria or whatever. 99.9. Uh, yeah, 99.9. So, 
Um, or I mean, it, it's interesting. It didn't surprise me, all, you know, too much. But but I, it, you know, um, I mean, honestly, I, I even, even my childhood, my mom, um, she, I think, would freak out a lot of people in this country because she's one of those people that will cut meat. Um, she, of course, she, she, you know, she'll cut on the counter, but it's, it's like she's not so... Um, crazy about, well, let's put this bag that the meat was in in another bag and put it in the trash. She, she'll just put it in the trash or let the bag hang on the counter for a while and then put it in the trash. Like, I just, it's so funny because I think for some people that would just freak them out. Like meat containers or anything like, you know, I've known some people that are just so um, OCD about it and she's just like so laid back and, and she, she makes a meal with me. Um, a lot of times, she leaves it overnight out like she's refrigerated um she will the following day but like a lot of times she leaves like stews and stuff overnight on the just the counter no that's not necessarily to say that something couldn't go wrong oh, or no, that she couldn't I, get sick from those kind I, of things I, I, it's just that she hasn't ever yeah, actually yeah. Had that but i'm just saying like she's just so so relaxed about a lot of that stuff and and so many people well are, okay so there's there's food regulation which is food service regulations probably a good thing that there's certain regulations on how long food can sit out or different things like that because make a lot of people sick really easily in general though i mean yes people have gotten sick for from food for ages and people still get sick even from cleanliness regimes and whatnot but well it seems like though that sometimes cleanliness is actually hurting someone's health more so than benefiting them and i have no idea I think I was actually listening to a different podcast, but someone mentioned a news article or like this one guy constantly had an ear infection in one of his ears, but the other ear was completely healthy. And, um, he'd go to the doctor regularly to, um, I, I think they were like, they were were doing different treatments. Yeah. Treatments, but it was all, um, anti, um, what's the word? What's not antibacterial, but, uh, the antibiotics, antibiotics. Yeah. And so finally one day, he decided to put some of his earwax into his other ear because, like, well, if this ear is healthy, I'm just going to... He took earwax from his healthy ear and stuck it in his unhealthy ear. In his unhealthy ear, and he stopped having these infections. And it's just like... So it's like they were, you know, trying to clean his ear or help his ear, and it was really obviously not working. Um, It only worked for such a short time, and then every time the medicine stopped working, he'd have to go in. And um, so, yeah, sometimes too clean is not good and it could be actually complete opposite well i mean that goes along with in conjunction with that that is one it's kind of like a transplant of bacteria and um and like so the same thing happens with fecal transplants that is becoming more popular as a treatment for treating um very you know sometimes deadly gastrointestinal issues so giving someone else new poop Makes it a little bit, um, makes it so that their body gets a, it goes back to the whole starter culture stuff. I mean, you put different starter cultures in a person's stomach, either through a fecal transplant or earwax in the ear, you know, it's, it's introducing a new starter culture and it's going to, uh, either, you know, propagate in a good way or not in, in a, in a good way. And, and, and some of the ideas behind eating all these different probiotic foods, or fermented food specifically is that it's going to maybe not necessarily add starter culture, like it, getting to the digestive tract and doing different things like that. It, it may or may not be like actually bacteria that go in are the bacteria that stay, but it's giving the, the, the potentially healthy bacteria that are in the, be- in the belly, in the stomach, more of the good bacteria to work with. And so that's kind of the ideas behind some of these things. And at the same time, it sounds like being introduced to a more diverse background of bacteria, you know, with those Bangladeshi children may make it a little easier to encounter a lot of different foreign bacteria. That makes sense. I can totally see that. Would you say though that um, for people that are very concerned about cleanliness, would you then... Do you think having them eat more fermented foods would kind of help 
balance that out? Oh, do you I think the system works like that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean? Like, well, you know, so someone who's extremely uh, concerned about cleanliness and constantly wants to kill all the bacteria. So then, let's say they eat more fermented food. Would you say that kind of balances it out? Just well, I mean, it, it would. It would surely be a chance to add more live and active cultures into the body. I mean, yes, fermented foods, the fresher, the better, adding those in, eating a diversity of those kind of things is going to culture the belly a little bit. Like it's going to do something. And, um, and we all, to a certain extent, especially in the United States, I mean, we have a lot of antibiotics. We have, um, you know, antibiotics in the, in our water, even if it's well water. I mean, there's agricultural runoff and different things like that. I mean, there's all these kind of chemicals that are antibacterial in nature. So a person, it's not like living a hundred, 200 plus years ago and, and not having as many of these kind of things around. There was a lot more bacteria and a lot less antibacterial things in, 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 in life. So yeah, I think it's, and people were eating a lot more fermented foods out of necessity because there weren't refrigerators. There weren't other ways to, before canning and different things like that. I mean, it was curing and salting and fermenting and drying, but those were the ways to preserve things or eat it fresh. So yeah, I, I mean, all of this stuff is, is interesting and I think important. And I think the health stuff is important. And, and if, if health is what motivates someone to eat fermented foods, then that's great. Like, again, just for myself, it's like, well, I don't really want to focus on, on the health too much. Like I eat Greek yogurt. I, I, I strain yogurt if I like the consistency or the slightly bit more tanginess of it. I don't eat it for extra protein or, um, less of whatever it is that it has less of sugars or whatnot, um, from the way, you know, and, and I think the same thing works for kids because yes, I don't think telling a child this has more protein in it. You should eat it is going to be what gets them to eat it. I personally think that making the yogurt is a fun science project. Get to learn about microorganisms, about coagulation in milk, about all kinds of different things. And especially if then go on to make Greek yogurt from homemade yogurt. It's another process. It's seeing these different processes and how they go, as opposed to just getting something in a package. That's just my kind of way, because I think it's just so amazing. And I think the more that kids can know about fermented foods... Uh, and, and the way food, where food comes from, how food is made. I think some of these, especially these different traditions, traditional ways of making things like Greek yogurt are really kind of exciting. And I think a lot of kids would, would find it very fun. So instead of giving them a pretty package and potentially a product that's not as healthy, get them involved into making their own food, which honestly, I kind of agree with you there because even for me as an adult, growing some of the things in my garden it's so much more rewarding than going to the store and getting it. Just seeing the, the you know, whatever it might be, um, kale, become kale from a little seed. It's just, it's so, like, like I said, rewarding and it's just awesome and it's such a good feeling. Um, and I and I do agree. I think kids probably would enjoy the same, um, same type of um, interaction with yogurt or vegetable or whatever that may be. I feel like our society is just so disconnected from this. Well, yes, disconnected or not. I mean, some of it's just time. I mean, not everyone has time to ferment everything themselves, and that's okay. But I think if nothing else, if there are children in a person's life, especially someone with a busy life that doesn't have time to ferment things themselves, um, doing it for the children is kind of a nice motivation for the health benefits that that's what draws a person, but also just for the science experiment side of things. It's like, do it with the kids. If you're not doing it for health, if you don't really have time, prefer to buy Greek yogurt than make it, at least try it so a kid knows where it's coming from. I think that would be a great motivator as opposed to sweeter and, and prettier packaging. Well, I would also argue, though, I think I think the relationship that a lot of us have with food might be unhealthy also because we're not at all connected to food. We don't know how it comes about or how it grows. or So m maybe there's that connection of if a person understands the food, the growth process or how something is made, then the relationship with food becomes much healthier. And maybe that is why the society, our society is less and less 
connected with food and has a, and we we have an unhealthy relationship with food um it's not about flavor and taste so much it's just it's just about eating unconsciously eating and that could be because they're also not really consciously realizing where their food is coming from. So are you suggesting this week for anyone listening to this podcast that has not tried fermenting something themselves? And even if they don't have a lot of time that they should try fermenting something, yeah, be it even yogurt just, or straining, even straining yogurt into Greek yogurt, that'd be a great thing. That's a great way that's I like, agree. doesn't yes. even take much time. doesn't even take starter culture. doesn't take anything. Just get some yogurt from the store and strain it and make Greek yogurt yourself. Time wise of taking store-bought yogurt, turning it into Greek yogurt, the time, it really kind of adds up and doesn't necessarily make it worth just straining up, but it gives you an understanding of things to a deeper level and understand why it is that there's more protein. And I would argue then it would make the eating more enjoyable. Maybe one would think more about the flavor of that Greek yogurt or the consistency and it 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 would encourage that healthy relationship with food. So it's not just, I'm going to go to the store, buy Greek yogurt and eat it. Well, if I'm going to go and make it, then I'm going to think about it more. Well, what does this taste like? What can I do with it to make it taste better? What about this consistency? There's just so much more that a person that might want to even get more involved. So go make it and tell us about it. You can reach us at podcast at firmup.com. You can find our show notes at firmup.com slash podcast slash 11. And so if you have been making your own Greek yogurt. If you have any good recipes, I'd really like to know, especially for some savory things, some spreads and whatnot. I love savory spreads from Greek yogurt or... I love dessert, so hit me up. Yes. Sweets Daniela's way, savory my way when it comes to Greek yogurts and yogurt cheeses. But get out there, experiment, get a little bit more connected with the foods that... You eat. So firm up. All the way.